The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October is a timely, downloadable resource designed for Bible classes. It's titled, Called to Vote, A Christian's Approach to Elections. Called to Vote is written by Issues Etc. regular guest, Dr. Ken Cherub. You can find out more and download Called to Vote on every page of our website, issuesetc.org. Called to Vote, A Christian's Approach to Elections, the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October, issuesetc.org. But, you know, we have our Christian conservatives for Trump today, and they're in the room. Let's go. Do I think that if somebody uses the phrase Islamic terrorism, that it's a huge deal? No. Depression frees the Christian from the illusion that they can do everything themselves. Well, honestly, that puts you in a great position to hear the gospel. This performance-based Christianity you know, it's not sustaining. I mean, you can do that for a while if your life is really good, but when your life falls down around you, you need the comfort that only comes from the gospel. Nebraska runners love issues, etc. He is one of the most colorful characters in, well, the Old Testament is full of colorful characters, yet Samson manages to stand out. Now, ordinarily, This is read in Sunday school as a story of kind of a strong man whose secret is in his long, uncut hair, and then the secret gets out. And in the end, it it does not end well for him, although he takes a fair number of his enemies with him into death, killing more in death than he had in life, and he'd killed a lot in life. Samson is usually known for two things, well, three things, his long hair— his great strength, his violence, and if you added a fourth, probably it would have to be his dishonesty, and yet he is a judge in the Old Testament, and his life has some remarkable parallels to that of Jesus Christ. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc., coming to you live on this Tuesday afternoon, October the 4th, from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to kick off today's program teaching a Sunday school lesson with Pastor Tom Baker of Law and Gospel, the Old Testament judge Samson in Judges 16, just a portion of his story there, although we'll talk about his whole life. A little bit later, Dr. Carl Fakentra joins us to look forward to Sunday morning. Uh, according to the three-year lectionary, we're going to be working toward the gospel reading, kind of unpacking the gospel reading via the propers of the day, and then getting to it in due time. Then Dr. Alan Carlson will join us. We're going to talk about liberalism, gender theory, and the fact that there are fewer and fewer children. The demographic winter is about to set in with a quarter of the U.S. population being elderly soon and about 7% being children. Fewer and fewer children, more and more old people. How did we get to this point Dr. Alan Carlson talks about the liberal stork theory. We'll find out what he means by that in the last half hour of Issues Etc. You can join us with your questions or comments over the next two hours. one 877 my ie 877-623-6943. Send us an email, ZTC.org, a tweet, at IssuesETC. Our beloved on-demand listeners, whenever, wherever you listen, feel free to use the Issues Etc. comment line, 618-223-8382. Joining us to teach a Sunday school lesson, the Old Testament Judge Samson in Judges 16, Pastor Tom Baker, host of the radio show called Law and Gospel. Tom, welcome back. Thank you, Todd. 
let's start by talking about some of the really remarkable parallels between the the life of this Old Testament judge Samson, an odd character in himself, and our Savior Jesus. Uh, yes, we've done this before, and we get a big help from the growing in Christ. They actually have a chart on page 51 comparing Samson to Jesus. Now, some of the comparisons seem to be different, but that's a point that we're going to be making. The, the first similarity is the birth is announced of Samson's birth by an angel from the Lord, which is kind of interesting because there were only three times in the Bible that an angel would announce the birth of someone. It's Isaac, John the Baptist, and of course, Gabriel to Mary about Jesus himself. Now, when Samson was conceived, his mother was a barren woman at that time. Jesus' mother was a virgin. Samson was called by God to deliver Israel from the Philistines. Jesus was called by the Father to deliver the world from sin. Now, here comes a difference. Samson was a sinner. Jesus was sinless. Samson really made some mistakes in his life. One of them was against his father's will. He chose to love a woman not of his kind, and she was a faithless woman. Now, we, we believe that she was part of the enemy, and her name was Delilah, which means it, it's a combination of Hebrew words to bring someone low and night. So that's probably not one of the best names to go out with, but that's what he did. And sure enough, she brought him low and it was like night for him because he lost his eyes. So while he chose to love a faithless woman, God chose to love a faithless world. Samson was captured by his enemies and publicly humiliated. Jesus was captured by his enemies and publicly humiliated. Samson prayed for vengeance upon his enemies. Jesus prayed for forgiveness for his enemies. Samson was sacrificed in the act of saving Israel as he brought down uh, the walls and the building. Of course, it crushed him. Jesus was sacrificed in the act of saving the world by the crucifixion. Samson was buried by his family. Jesus was the one who rose from the dead. And therefore, Samson was one of the judges and we've already taken a look at uh, two of them, Deborah and Gideon, who saved Israel from the Philistines, but only temporarily did they save Israel from their enemies, whereas Jesus saved us from our enemies eternally. So it's a great chart because a number of the church fathers, including Martin Luther, uh, talked about Samson pointing forward to Jesus, and this chart on page 51 does a good job in making those distinctions. Often what people know about Samson, if they know anything, is that 
he had long, uncut hair, but that was not a fashion choice. That was actually part of a, a religious devotion, wasn't it? Yes. He was set apart to be a, a Nazarite. And what that simply means uh, to be a Nazarite is you are, a, you are set apart and there are various vows that one has to do. Uh, for example, you're not allowed to drink. One of the other things is you're not allowed to cut your hair or your beard. And Samson, that's about the only one he kind of followed. He uh, broke all the other Nazarite laws. Uh, for example, he was supposed to be separate from any dead body. And in Judges, he goes out of his way to see the carcass of a lion that he had killed. Now, there's no evidence that he really drank alcohol, but if you take a look at verse 10, he was part of a major uh, uh, wedding feast, and of course, drinking had taken part there. Well, th the best thing that I would want to get across to the children is theology is the art of making distinctions, and we need to make a distinction between a person's office and the person himself. For example, a, a great example would be the Apostle Paul. He was actually responsible for the murder of Christians. He would seek them out, persecute them, put them in jail, and some of them were executed. But when he was called to be an apostle to the Gentile, he flawlessly followed that office. And similarly with Samson, God used even his weaknesses, like towards women. He had a number of women, and that got him involved with Delilah, who, of course, got the Philistines to hate him. And that was really part of God's plan, because when they hated him and they captured him, they put him in a position where God renewed his strength and he was able to bring down the building upon many of them and kill them. So when we take a look at a, a person, we need to distinguish between their person as well as their office. Even when Paul was following his office, was it not he who wrote Romans 7? The good that I want to do, I'm unable to do. And the bad things that I want to stop from doing, I'm always doing. He considered himself the greatest sinner in the world. And that's because of his understanding of what sin was, that he still had the old Adam, and therefore he really clung to Jesus Christ and the cross. His office, we really admire. But even Paul in his personal life, as with Peter and the other apostles, often fell short of the glory of God, just like we do. It, this has got something to say about pastors. That there's no pastor who's sinless. And he ought to stay in the office unless his sin results in something where the people no longer can trust him or even listen to him. Of course, Paul writing to Timothy and Titus makes that very clear. He has to have a good reputation but even a pastor is going to be a sinner because he joins with the rest of the congregation. So Samson is an excellent example 
of how God may be calling children into an office. Sometimes we call it, Todd, vocation, and that they are to do the best that they're able to do, but we recognize that they're still sinners deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. Pastor Tom Baker is our guest. We're teaching a Sunday School lesson. This week, it's Judges 16, the Old Testament judge, Samson. Tom is host of a radio program called Law and Gospel. You'll find a link to Law and Gospel at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Listen on Demand. We'll be right back. Talk a little bit more about Samson and his deceptions. Christ our Lord. Now pay close attention, little children. It's somebody you ought to know. Yeah, it's all about a man that walked on earth nearly 2,000 years ago. Join the Issues Etc. Reformation Club in October, and we'll send you a limited edition Here I Stand t-shirt. Find out more about our monthly or annual giving program at issuesetc.org. Just click the picture of Martin Luther posting the 95 Theses, or call Craig, 618-223-8385. Join the Issues Etc. Reformation Club by Reformation Day, and we'll send you a limited edition long-sleeve shirt along with your other membership benefits. The Issues Etc. Reformation Club. Do you dread going to work out? Performance Fitness in Edwardsville offers a fun, supportive, tight-knit community and environment. Visit them on the web at performancefitness618.com or call 618-692-5063. Performance Fitness is the facility in the St. Louis Metro East where the focus is on member results, not membership numbers. 618-692-5063 or performancefitness618.com. Performance Fitness of Edwardsville. You can teach lay people theology. You're listening to Issues Etc. Are you a homeschool parent looking for help teaching certain subjects? Or do you want your student to study the history, languages, and literature of Western civilization? Memoria Press Online Academy has live online classes with master teachers to help you. Their teachers have years of experience teaching, delighting, and moving students literally from all around the world. Your homeschool year doesn't have to be difficult. Visit memoriapressacademy.com or call 877-745-8866. We would like to overlook the difficulty of daily repentance and death to our sins in the interest of progressing to a more advanced spirituality. Rebecca Curtis from her new audiobook, Ladylike, Living Biblically. Somehow, spiritual advancement always amounts to our getting to spend more time on the things we like and calling it stewardship or service. You can purchase and download an audio version of Ladylike, Living Biblically at Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. Ladylike, Living Biblically by Rebecca Curtis and Rose Adel. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Tom Baker is our guest. We're teaching a Sunday School lesson on the Old Testament judge, Samson. A couple questions here. Uh, through, reading throughout the life of Samson there, especially these times when he rises up and uh, commits some of his greatest violent acts, that is in, in destroying the Philistines or, or doing harm to their crops and things like that. Several times it says that the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, that he is being guided by the Holy Spirit in order to do these things. How do you explain that, Tom? We need to understand that when Israel came into the land of Canaan, 
the reason that God wanted them to conquer that land is because of the practices of the Canaanites, the various tribes. Uh, they had no trouble uh, to their various gods sacrificing children and infants. They were very, very bad. And if Jesus would look at the Pharisees, who did not really do a lot of murdering of people and say, your father is the devil, we can certainly understand that what Samson was fighting against in the land of Canaan was not just simply uh, these uh, people, but the devil who was behind them, motivating them to do the disastrous and horrible deeds that were contrary to the commandments of God. Because in every nation, murder is wrong, but these folks had taken murder to a level that so incensed God that he wanted Israel to come into the land, uh, take over it, and therefore, when they attempted to do that, they were very successful. Remember Jericho, but then they began to intermarry with these Canaanites and to start to follow their gods. And so that's why judges is so important because it shows how people fell from the faith. Then God brought disaster upon them. Then they repented and then he rose up a hero judge. And then they had peace and safety for some years, a couple of cases, 40 years. And then once more, everything started again. So here we have Samson chosen and that's very comforting for us as pastors, and it should be for lay people, that God doesn't choose people who are sinless, because there's nobody he could choose except for his son, Jesus. He chose instead sinful human beings and even used the bad things they did to work out his plans. For example, having Delilah as his mistress, he wasn't even married to her, got him close to the Philistines. They became angry with him. And when they captured him, he was put into a situation where his strength had been restored by God through the growing of his hair again. And he was able to destroy 3,000 men who were on the roof of the building at the time that he brought down the walls. There in, in chapter 16, this interchange between Samson, his enemies, and, and you're right, enemies of the, of the people of God and of God himself, and then his mistress Delilah, where he kind of toys with them for a while. How, how is it that you can be bound so that someone can subdue you? And he tells them all sorts of nonsense for some time over the course of several days, where he says, oh, if you tie me up with bowstrings or new rope or if you plate my hair in a, in a loom or something like that. Then finally he does say, I've been a Nazarite from, of God from my birth, and if you take off my hair, then I will be as weak as any other man. But it, Samson seems to be, he seems to think at that point that he's just offering them another taunt because he goes out thinking, I'm going to throw them all around like I did before. And it says he did not realize that the Lord had left him, that there in verse 20. 20. What's actually happening here? Yes. What we see here is another weakness on the part of Samson. He, first of all, disobeyed God in disobeying his father. That's the fourth commandment in marrying Delilah. And then he finally 
tells her the real reason why he is strong, being a Nazarite with long hair. And of course, she ends up making sure that he's shaven. It's obvious he doesn't think that that's going to hurt him either. He has so much confidence in himself. And once more, that helps us understand what sin is. S-I-N. I is at the center of sin. It's at the center of pride. P-R-I-D-E. And so after he is shaven clean, he still thinks that he's going to be able to beat up these people who are hiding in an inner room in order to arrest him, put him in prison, and they even take out his eyes. And so it's really amazing that his trust in the Lord has been changed into arrogance concerning himself and his strength. In the end, he dies uh, wishing to take the Philistines with him. May I die with the Philistines? And God permits him one last uh, feat of strength. He brings down, this must be some kind of palace that has 3,000 men and women gathered in it, but he brings the house down by that sheer strength. Talk about that if you would. Uh, Yes. They're having a big party and they want to have Samson entertain them. So they bring him over to the party and they say, the, the party was for uh, their god, Dagon, D-A-G-O-N, and says, our god has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. Okay, now we've got these folks starting to take pride in themselves. In, in Sunday's sermon, I was talking about how you never see a farmer after he has collected all the crops of corn and beans, which we have around a Trinity Orchard Farm where I'm preaching right now, you never see him after it's all taken in, standing near the highway with a big sign saying, look what I have done. Because farmers recognize that it wasn't for the proper seed, the proper ground, the proper weather, the proper machinery, they would have been able to do nothing. And so farmers often have a great insight into God taking care of them. Well, these folks, they just had the wrong God. And what the true God did, he showed them. It was kind of like what Elijah did with the prophets of Baal. They prayed all day that the altar would turn into fire and everything be sacrificed. (laughs) Well, what happened is God had his altar go into fire everything was sacrificed, and then all the prophets of Baal uh, were put to death. This is what Jesus has done for us. Jesus himself says that the purpose for his coming into the world was to defeat the power of Satan. And that's why baptism is so critical, because that is an action where even little infants are taken out of the kingdom of Satan and put into the kingdom of God. And that's, in a sense, what happened to the Philistines, that Samson, with all his strength, leaned on the two pillars which he had been put against, and the house fell upon the lords, and upon all the people were in it. And it says that there were many that he had killed in that moment at his death, than he had killed during his whole life. 
And in a sense, we can say the same of Jesus. In a sense, he really converted very few people. But at his death, he redeemed the entire world. So what did the people of Israel learn or know uh, with this with the life of Samson, and in particular the manner of his death. Uh, it seems to me that God is willing to use this man in all of his weaknesses and even in his sin and pride to, to show his people something. Yes. I think it was once more to show them what he had shown them with, <coughs> excuse me, uh, both Deborah and Gideon. That yes, in fact, it's the, Part of the epistle reading from uh, Timothy this week, Todd, where it says, when we deny God, he will deny us. But when we are faithless, he remains faithful. You see, God had a promise. And just as the whole Old Testament is directed toward the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and one could make a case that the angel that told Samson's mother that she was going to conceive and Samson would be born is referred to as the angel of the Lord. This was Jesus himself in his pre-incarnate state. Uh, there are those who would say that. And so Jesus is found everywhere because he's going to keep a remnant of Israel, even after the Babylonian captivity, so that he might come into Israel as the Emmanuel, namely God with us, and known as Jesus, which means he will save us, and becomes therefore the fulfillment, not only of Samson, but of sinful Abraham, sinful Moses, sinful Deborah, sinful Gideon, and now sinful Samson, as he becomes the sinless one, to redeem the entire world. Folks, you heard Tom mention this chart that parallels the lives of the Old Testament judge Samson and our Savior Jesus. It's just one of the great features that you will find in this Sunday School curriculum called Growing in Christ from Concordia Publishing House. Very useful, I will tell you, for the classroom, the Sunday School classroom for children of all ages. And it points us not to Samson, but through Samson to Jesus Christ. That's a great feature of Growing in Christ from Concordia Publishing House. Find out more about it at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Listen On Demand. Look for Growing in Christ or call Concordia Publishing House and they'll send you a free sample. 1-800-325-3040. 1-800-325-3040. Pastor Tom Baker is host of a radio program called Law and Gospel. Next week, Pastor Baker will lead us in a Sunday school lesson on Ruth. Tom, thanks for being our guest. And thank you, Todd. On the other side of the break, it's time to look forward to Sunday morning according to the three-year lectionary, and we'll be doing that with Dr. Carl Fikancher. Now, usually, and this is the case in this coming Sunday as well, the propers for the day, all the things that change during the Divine Service Sunday to Sunday, are keyed off the Gospel reading. We'll start with those and lead up to the Gospel reading with Dr. Carl Fikancher of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, right after the break.
At Concordia University, Irvine, you can pursue advanced theological study for academic, professional, or personal development. Concordia's Master of Arts in Theology program is grounded in the truth of Scripture and insights from the Lutheran Confessions. Courses are taught online and at intensive on-campus sessions in the summer. Apologetics, Christian education leadership, and Reformation studies are just a few of the emphases offered. For more information, visit cui.edu slash theology. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com. The 500th anniversary of the Reformation approaches. A good time to ask, who are we as confessional Lutherans? What's our heritage? The Confessional Lutherans for Christ Commission has produced the Layman's Guide to Theological History. Go to the clcc.org and see which of these presentations and books would be most helpful to you and your fellow parishioners. And consider becoming a member with us as the CLCC seeks to help more people know what it means to be a confessional Lutheran. The clcc.org. It was the day after Christmas in 1538 when family and friends who were gathered around Luther's table heard him say, There is no finer gift that a parent can give to a child than an education in the liberal arts. For over 100 years, St. Paul's Lutheran School in Brookfield, Illinois, has been emphasizing the six chief parts and the seven liberal arts, providing classical education in the Lutheran tradition. Visit our website at spbrookfield.org or call 708-485-0650. Preaching Christ and Him crucified. You're listening to Issues Etc. Does your confessional Lutheran nonprofit or church need a new website? Let WordSites help you for free. WordSites is a volunteer-led group of technology and marketing gurus who have come together to help their fellow Lutherans. With the support of an effective website, you can clearly proclaim Christ and Him crucified to the digital world that we live in. To submit your organization for consideration or to learn more, visit WordSites.org. WordSites, your confessional Lutheran website, reformed. Did you know that Luther Academy has been providing continuing education for confessional Lutheran pastors and laypeople worldwide for more than 20 years? Luther Academy publishes Logia, the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatics series, and Luther Digest. Find out more about Luther Academy and sign up to receive their free email newsletter at lutheracademy.com. Lutheracademy.com and like them on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Luther Academy. <laughs> 